I say then, hath God cast away his people? Let me ask that one more time. Hath God cast away his people? Did he cast away uh, Israel? You know, they started out with this just a small band of people that uh, went down to Egypt. And then they grew into probably a couple of million, right? But they were under attack. They were abused. They were brought into slavery. Uh, but did God cast away his people? No. He brought about things in them through that, and the, his judgment of sin and his chastisement brings out good. It doesn't happen overnight. This happened over... Uh, decades and decades of time. We talked about this morning of the different empires on the earth and each one of these different empires that have taken over and made abuses. Did God forget his people? Did God forget Israel and the Jewish people when they were annihilated and, and burned in ovens and gassed and uh, tested on? Did you know that Bayer, Aspirin, Bayer, the company is a German company, and a lot of their innovations came from the concentration camps and testing all manner of things out on Jews. It's, it's, it's sickening when you read it, you know, how they tested the body and what would make it break and how it could it recover, and it's terrible. You know, we think about the, the gassing and the killing, but there was a lot more to it than that. And then the evil uh, of the people that were in the camps and how... I can't even go into the detail of what some of the guards did to them. Total abuse and, and so forth. But I say, hath God, did he cast away his people? No. The people were scattered. Until 1948. It wasn't that long ago that I mentioned this, but uh, the diaspora it scattered the Jews everywhere just after the Roman Empire time. But God said he's going to bring them back, and he did in 1948, made a nation of them. Now we're having uh, all of these arguments that that's not Israel's land. I'm here to tell you, yes, it is. God gave it to them. It was the land of Canaan. He told them to go in there and take it. It's yours forever. Palestine didn't exist, and now we're having these arguments over, you know, who's the worst and who's doing this. And, and uh, what's bothering me is the absolute reprobate minds of those that are in America. It's all over the world, but I'm going to talk about us, Americans. The reprobation that exists out there. The things that they're trying to twist, the truth, and this is good. You know, it used to be that, well, just accept this uh, behavior of them that's a product of uh, uh, God just leaving them to a reprobate mind. But now we're, we're told that we have to endorse it, not just put up with it. We're supposed to condone it and endorse all manner of behavior, or you're the crazy person. You're the one that's in the wrong. Over and over, I've seen over the past number of months, can a man give birth? And he's, I need to be nice. These reprobates, 
I'll keep it clean the way God does it. These reprobates, well, yeah, a man can give birth. Well, what they're talking about is a converted woman into a man. You have to recognize them a man, and they could still give birth. Or the other way around. And these things are very common for us, and we, we look at it and go, no, that's, that's not right. It's incorrect. Yet you're sitting there with a straight face saying these things, wanting the rest of us just to believe. You know, when I was a kid, there was a, a, a story. The Emperor's New Clothes. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> what a wonderful story. So, the, you know, the, the tailor or whoever couldn't come up with anything, so he adorned the king in this brand new thing that was so fashionable that everybody would love it. And then the word went out to the kingdom that the emperor had new clothes and everybody's going to see how he's adorned. It's going to be wonderful. So he walked out with no clothes on. But what did the crowd do? Oh, it looks beautiful. Oh, it's great. You know, nobody was going to say the truth of what was in their own eyes that was there. And I think the story goes, who did reveal it? It was a kid. <laughs> they can be so honest. Don't ask a child a question unless you're ready for the answer. And sometimes you don't even have to ask. And they'll say something, you go, oh, why did you ask that? And it's your kid, and you're kind of elbowing them a little. But it's because it's truth to them. They're going to tell you what they see. They're going to make it real, if you want to put it in today's terms. But the rest of the world are going along with these things. And you can just go down the list. You know, climate change. Oh, yeah, we're going to agree. You don't know anything about it. What are you talking about? Uh, and on and on and on. There's so many lies that are produced out there. And we're also seeing the product of our uh, learning institutions. They're grooming these people to do this and teaching them. Wrong is right and right is wrong and men can give birth and they come out of college with, you know, these dumb degrees and, again, I've said this before, the Middle Eastern basket weaving and I got a doctorate in it, spent $200,000 on a, on a degree and it's not worth anything. Now they're working at Starbucks, slinging coffee, and they still owe the government $200,000 and hoping somebody will bail them out. Okay, enough of that. But they're, they're not very smart. And it's really not a matter of intelligence. What it's a matter of is demonic influence. Satan will spread a lie and make it bigger and bigger and bigger, and you're just going to go along with it because the emperor has new clothes. I'm not going to think for myself. I say then, hath God cast away his people? No, he hasn't. The thing we're seeing with the attacks on Israel, even a guy that I detest, and now his name just went out of my mind, Senator Jewish, the highest ranking member in the Senate that's a Jew. Anyway, that guy. I despise him because of what he stands for, how liberal he is. He even stood up against these learning institutions and so on and because he's Jewish, uh, saying, hey, this is not right. Did you know that a lot of the Ivy League schools, they've lost over a billion dollars in uh, donations 
since they started this anti-Semitism thing and won't corral the people that are pro-Hamas and pro-Palestine? They're destroying business after business after business because of this going woke thing. Again, the emperor has no clothes or new clothes. And we're going to say, hey, that looks good. But God made promises to his people. God has not cast away his people, period. Let me read this to you. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. We're going to get there. It's going to be in the text. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. You have to understand what that means, though, all Israel. We don't need to define what all is. We need to define what Israel is. We Again, all does mean all. But Israel doesn't mean all Jewish people. Period. It doesn't. Israel specifically denotes God's chosen elect from the seed of Abraham that are Israelites. There's so many other scriptures that go along with this. Uh, now we'll go to the place. Je- uh, Jeremiah 31.3. And this applies to us too. Jeremiah 31.3. Just one verse. The Lord hath appeared. I still hear some page flipping. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn thee. Key word there, everlasting. Does everlasting mean it's temporary? Or a certain amount of time? Or has a terminal point in the future? No, it means forever. It's an everlasting love. We're going to go Psalm 105 for just a few verses. But God has not cast away his people. And I've really been looking for the time that uh, Israel begins to suffer or there's a tax on them and other things because, again, we're looking for, and I say on the negative side, a peacemaker a guy with solutions to come on the scene. And I'm talking about the Antichrist. Psalm 105, 8. He hath remembered his covenant forever. Well, that goes back with everlasting, right? The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. We're going to do a little math here. What's a, How long is a generation? Well, the average person, God says, is going to be 70 years, right? And we do live longer and shorter, but uh, a generation is about every 30 or 40 years because that's when children are born. There's not an exact number that I could find. Is Well, a generation exactly this, 35.2 years. But we could use 30 years or 40 years to be one generation or until another generation is brought forth. Well, a thousand generations, if it was just 30 years to a generation, that'd be 30,000 years. We hadn't even been here that long, right? Well, unless you 
listen to some of the other uh, abominable scientists. Uh, a few weeks ago, I thought I was going to preach a little bit on that, uh, the world and the creation and, and uh, uh, carbon-14 dating and all the problems with that and the, the evidence for floods and so on. It doesn't take much to look at science and what's going on to figure out God did that. And the things that science are telling us is not true. But again, the emperor's new clothes. They're all in agreement with this fantasy. But a thousand generations, that hasn't even occurred yet. Which means, that's just another way of saying forever. Right? You're not going to exceed that number. It's forever. Which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac. Well, I was watching another guy. He's a prominent professor, and he's in front of his class, and he's trying to, you know, make distinctions and agreements between what the Bible says and what the Quran says. And that he says, did you know that the Quran also has Abraham in it? And has a God in it? And it has Isaac in it. Or, excuse me, it has Jacob in it. But he stopped. I was waiting for him to say something else, but he didn't. So I'm forever in putting out my opinion. And I said, I don't know if you're just, you know, uh, I didn't say ignorant, but in so many words I did. Or if you're trying to, uh, it's a lie of omission or you just don't understand. And so then I proceeded to tell him and whoever else is on that chain uh, reading and so forth. They believe in Abraham. They believe in Jacob, but that's where it stops. Then it goes to Ishmael. Ishmael is their father. Ishmael is a man of war. Ishmael was going to bring about things because man didn't do things according to the will of God. Sarah laughed. Sarah thought she was going to help God out and offer the maiden. All that, those wrong things and choices brought about sin and brought about certain types of judgment that we're still dealing with today. But he wanted to try to... Well, the Quran's just like the Bible. Their God's just like our God. Their God is nothing like our God. Their God is not a God, actually. So don't try to tell me that it is. And then I quoted Quran uh, 34.5. You know what it says... That's just a uh, thought-provoking. Here's what it says. Allah is the greatest deceiver. It's kind of odd, isn't it, that you're going to serve someone that you say is a great deceiver, a trickster. They think that Allah can be gracious and he can be temperamental. He can be nice, he might forgive you, and he might not. He's precocious, he's this, he's that. But they still believe in him. Why? Because they're following the father of lies who created those things through evil men. Verse 10, And confirm the same unto Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot for your, oops, for your inheritance, Canaan. Here we are. We're back to that. Got ahead of myself a little while ago. 
It's their land. God gave it to them. He gave exact dimensions of what the land was supposed to be that was theirs. It was taken away, and then it was brought back. They are not occupiers. That's the other big lie. Well, they're occupying. Well, no, they're not occupying. God gave it to them. I think I used this in the in the early morning study that they were talking about Israel and uh, a gentleman was bringing up questions uh, about Israel and what their actions were. And, and he asked, well, why isn't Israel just like Hamas? And the guy looked at him deadpan and said, well, they don't kidnap people. They don't rape women and they don't behead children. The guy really didn't have an answer after that. And they don't. They do their best not to have collateral damage and so forth. But they're always accused of being in the wrong. Why? Because the source of all that hatred is Satan. Satan hates God. Satan hates Israel. And Satan hates you. Nothing new. It doesn't scare me. I know that if I have to deal with that fear, that God will give me the strength to deal with it in the time of need. Give me the words to say. It says that very clearly in the Bible. Genesis 12.1, we're going to go back to the promise. Satan hates Israel. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, probably near the mid-tribulation, he'll set himself up to be uh, worshipped. He wants to displace God. Satan, I said this a couple of years ago, he, he has his counterfeit. We have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then on the other side we have Satan, Antichrist, and the false prophet. Three. Our God is the God, not the, the one and only God. That one is a counterfeit. But the world will follow the lie, and they're following it now through a bunch of people that have been given over to a mind of a reprobate. Can people be saved from that position of reprobation? I think so. I can't say yes or no. God will do what he will do. And uh, I used this verse earlier. But... As many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, period. That's it. Not denomination, not anything else. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. Uh, God changed Saul. He was a murderer. God changed some very bad people. Brought them down to their knees till they serve the Most High. Did I say Genesis 12-1 already? Okay. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and go into a land which I will show thee. He had no idea where he was going. <laughs> and I like this. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of earth be blessed. Let me remind you of a little story I said a while ago. A blessing that bless thee, I'll curse them that curse thee. That man was cursing Israel to God's face, invoking Allah over Yahweh, and he died instantly. 
there's penalties. Acts 13, 46. Acts 13, 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God uh, first have been spoken to you, Israelites. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And that's expressed several times in several ways that there was a time of the uh, God dealing with Israel and then after Christ, there's a time he opened the door for us. I've t- said this before, Gentile dogs. That's what I am. I'm a Gentile dog. Uh, I don't deserve God, the word, any part of it. But God saw fit to open the door for Gentiles. And we've had time of the church for the last 2,000 years. But God doesn't forget his people. He still has to deal with them. He still has to return to those promises. And I've preached on this before using different scriptures. But God, when he makes a promise, he keeps it. I've made promises to my kids I didn't keep. It wasn't intentional that I remember, but things happen. I was not able to do that thing, whatever it was. Uh, I wasn't intending harm or anything like that. But God doesn't go back on his word. Romans 11. I opened up with my sentence. Have God cast away his people? We know the answer is no. But 11.1, here it comes. Or this is the source. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an an Israelite. We'll get it out there in a minute. Of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, he foreknew. What ye not, what the scripture saith of Elias, Elias, How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But when the answer of God, but what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal or Baal. That same God Antichrist, Baal, Dagon, Moloch, all of those want to do one thing is to direct and pull people away from God. Did it over and over as they built, again, built their groves and uh, uh, had their children walk through the fire. Things that we abhor and it, it's a, it's a obscene to even think about those things. But they willingly did it. And these weren't just you know, some common people, the kings did these things. The kings ordered uh, priests to be killed and so forth. They were evil. Why? Because they were given over to a reprobate mind. 
I'm not even going to get to the reprobation part necessarily, but there's a lot of scriptures dealing with that. Verse 5, even so then at this present time also there is a remnant, a remnant according to the election of grace. And I could say that today in 2023, that in this present time there's a remnant according to the election of grace. That, that verse didn't change. There still is. And praise the Lord, there was a remnant in America and a remnant in places in the world and a remnant, uh, uh, all around that God has reserved for himself the elect that he chose and he sent his son to die for. And he paid our penalty. He redeemed us. He went, we were captives and he went and set us free. Just like Abraham did. Lot and his group, they were taken captive. What did Abraham do? Muscled some troops together and he went and got them back. God, it was just a, an image of what God does. He brought us out of captivity. How were we captive? Through sin. Sin was brought into the world. We partook of that. We were just like Adam. We needed to be redeemed in order to be saved and pulled out of that. Because we had a certain destiny that was absolutely sure to come upon us. Until the Holy Spirit moved upon you. Until God opened your heart and your eyes changed your heart of stone to one of flesh, quickened you, breathed life into you, and now we can walk spiritually with them. Doesn't mean we don't fall down, don't make mistakes, but we're still led step by step by the power of God. Yeah, we deviate. It's because we're human. It's not how you fall down that matters, it's how you get back up. According to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is it, then is it no more of works? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be work of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. But there's a reason. Why were they blinded? Why were they spread out? Why were they denied? Why were they punished? It was for us, the Gentile dogs. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear unto this day. David saith, let their uh, table be made a snare and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their uh, fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles. For, what's the purpose? To provoke them to jealousy. Provoke them to jealousy. That's interesting. Go to Acts 13.45. Provoke them to jealousy. There are Jews that will not read certain scriptures. The scriptures that are dealing in a very plain about who it's talking about is Christ. 
Isaiah 53 is a big one. They know who it's about. And 52. They know what it's for, but they want to ignore it. Because if they embrace some of those other scriptures, they would have to embrace the true Messiah. And they still have that rejection, that spirit of slumber, that mind of uh, uh, denial. Another word I was looking for. But that's still there. Not saying God hasn't saved some. There's some wonderful uh, Israelis that believe in Jesus. And that's a wonderful thing to hear and see and listen to them and speak. That when the uh, eyes were opened and they could see the Messiah, the true Messiah, for what he is. Acts 13.45 But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which are spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. The one before that we just wrote, read, it happened, read, it happened, for to provoke them to jealousy. And here in Acts, it was happening. They were envious. I'm not sure what they were envious of. You know, having followers, having a large group of people, seeing truth, I, you know, I don't know. But it provoked them. Provoked them so much that they got mad and angry enough that they murdered Christ. But actually, he gave his life, right? He wasn't murdered. His life wasn't taken from him. He freely gave it. God the Father told him that's what he had to do to redeem the people. He asked about the bitter cup. Can it pass from me? That wasn't begging God. Is there any other way? It was a question and it had to be asked. Because there was no other way. God was silent. There was no other way for the people's sins to be redeemed unless Christ was obedient all the way to the cross. And what we're looking for is the people that recognize that, that had their eyes open, and see the obedience of Christ and follow the true Messiah, that they're on the right track. That separates very well elect from non-elect to some degree. We're seeing that now with all the people. They're Christ deniers. They're Bible deniers. But it's perfectly biblical for them to walk the way they're walking, talk the way they're talking, and act the way they're acting toward us, toward God, toward true scripture. I'm going to... I didn't tell you to stay there. We're going back to verse 12 of Romans 11. That was just an intermission. I spliced that because of provoking them to jealousy and in the passage from Acts, they were envious. All right. Verse 12. Now with the fall of them, being the riches of the world... And the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. See, Israel's a tool. Israel is a, a group of people that God can demonstrate his love, his favor, also his judgment and his commands that we're supposed to follow. Verse 13, for I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation 
them which are of my flesh and might save some of them. Remember where we started? And all Israel shall be saved as it is written. All doesn't mean all. Israel, we have to quantify who's Israel. The elect of God that are Israel and the non-elect that are Israel. And the only real Israel is the elect of God. Period. That he might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Same thing. God's dealing with Israel now. He's bringing life out of the dead works of the current Jews, uh, their religion, and is going to bring his elect out. Probably painfully. Probably with loss of life and other things. But he will bring them out. And I say loss of life. The skin brought back to life through the spirit. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, this is the not all Israel, but some were broken off, so the branches that were left were the elect. Did you follow me on that? <laughs> right? The branches that are left are the elect. They're his. Uh, and if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. I like the the term of calling Christ the branch. And it doesn't mean the twig. It means the big branch that other fruit and other branches come from. That's who we're rooted in is Christ Jesus. We're rooted in also in the truth in the Bible that all points to Christ Jesus. Verse 17 again, if some of the branches be broken off and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. And that's the way we should look at it. God had judgment of Israel to open the, the word to the Gentiles and the Gentile world, which is us. Verse 20. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. This clears up something else. Well, God just blinded them. Otherwise, they would have been saved. God didn't let them walk. Otherwise, they would have found the way. That wasn't it. Judgment came for this reason. Because of unbelief. And this is where we get into this argument, belief and unbelief. I have belief. I have faith. Didn't come from me. I never would have come up with belief and come up with faith or, or worked till I saw the light or figured things out. None of that can be true. God opened my eyes, showed me the way. The Spirit worked with a... A uh, Gentile dog that was rebellious. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. 
Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fail, severity, but towards thee, goodness. That happened to them, so goodness could come to us. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also shalt be cut off. Don't misconstrue. I'm a saved elect Christian, but I hate Israel, then I'm taken away. That's not it either. If you have the Spirit of God in you, your heart towards Israel will be changed. 23. And they also, if they abide not, abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. So there's hope for those, for that thousand generations that God's going to bring back His promise and fulfill it. And those that were broken off can be drafted back in. Or some. It's not all. We already figured that out. All does not mean all of Israel. For God is able to graft them in again. He has power to do so. And praise his name for that. And that's when I pray, see all these things and I sit there and pray for Israel. I want them to know who their deliverer is. And God's going to show it in a mighty way. And through all of this trial and trouble, I hope there are those that are turning to God through this chastisement. I think I read 24. 25, we'll just get to that anyway, whether I did or not. For I would, not brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. There's a time for the church, the time of the Gentiles is now, but God is returning to fill that promise. And listen to this. Verse 26, and so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Again, does all mean all? Does that mean every Israelite, every Jew? No. We covered that earlier. The elect of Israel will be saved, Period. It's just like the elect of the Gentiles. They will be saved. It's God's plan. They're his. Verse 27. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. And praise the Lord for that. That he's dealing with them again. And as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as touching the election... They are beloved for the Father's sake. Right? He's not going to go back on his promise. They're beloved. You know how a father wants to protect children that are under attack? Or let's use another one. A mama bear. You just don't mess with them, right? So what was that man, that Turkish gentleman... Attacking Israel, telling them they're terrible, and Allah is going to bring his judgment, and he drops dead. What happened? God only takes so much. They're beloved for the Father's sake. 29, for the, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. 
For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now, beloved, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. We should have loving kindness extended towards Israel. We should be praying for them. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches and uh, riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him that it shall be recompensed or compensated to him again? That's nobody. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be the glory forever. God's got a plan that's going to come to fruition. Nobody can stop it. We need to have faith in it. No matter what we see or how ugly or difficult it happens to be, God is working. All these evil men that are in power, God allowed them to be there. Luke 1, 68. Do this in closing. Well, one more verse after this because I've mentioned it already. Luke 1, 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. And hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Listen to that line right there, that verse right there for the things now. We're not going to be fearful because God will save us from our enemies. Does that mean we can't be killed? No. It doesn't matter what happens to the body. It matters what God can do with the soul. We don't need to be fearful of our enemies. And we know that they hate us. Verse 72. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. A thousand generations. He's going to bless them. The same promise comes to us. The oath which he sware to our father Abraham that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all the days of our life. Romans eight fourteen. paraphrased it I don't have the full verse in front of me I don't want to misquote it somebody read it Romans 8 14 for as many as are led by the spirit of God they are the sons of God well I did quote it right I wrote it down in completion I wasn't sure but that's it I know you're a Christian well, you're led by the spirit of God what separates you from everybody else the non-elect you're following the spirit of God you're led by the spirit that's the qualifier, whether you're gods or not, whether you're a Christian or not. If you're led by the Spirit, you're His. 
But then think of the people that we're watching. They are not led by the Spirit. They have been giving themselves over to seducing spirits, following the father of lies, and that's where they are. And all of their actions are spawned from that, the father of confusion. But we have spiritual discernment, not of our own intellect, but of the spirit that is put within us. Heavenly Father, Sometimes I feel so ignorant and rebellious. But when I see your love from many, many generations, your promises that are fulfilled, that you will protect us in these troubled times. May we look at these times as only closer to the advent of your dear son coming back for us, setting up his kingdom, the final parts of his kingdom, sin being put away forever, and be with him in all eternity. We desire to worship at the feet of your son, to look upon the nails, scarred hands and his feet, to lay prostrate and praise his name. Just to speak the name of Jesus. To hear his voice. To feel his gentle touch. And to be with him forever. Father, as many as are led by the Spirit, we pray that your work be completed in them and they become sons of the living God. We say this in Jesus' name.